0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Well, it is December 17th as I record this live. I'm Jason. I am your host. This is Witches Whiskey and Wit. It's the final show, probably, of the year. I can't imagine that I would record another one on Christmas Eve, which, though, could be fun. You know, there's whiskey and stuff. It is my show. Maybe that's not the worst thing in the world, but probably probably not something I should do. Anyway, yeah, that's that's it. So I'll, you know, see you in 2021. Hopefully, 2021 will be a much, much better year than what we've gone through so far. So I hope you're doing well. I have a glass. You can hear the ice tinkling. Sonoma Distilling Wheat Whiskey, made from a mash bill of 80% wheat and 20% rye. I've not had any of this yet. Let's see what the first taste is like. That's pretty good. You can taste the rye, which is a little spicy. You can taste a little bit of wheat, which is generally a little sharper. Yeah, so that's good stuff. Anyway, um, my guest tonight is supposed to be Michael Hughes, and I haven't seen him yet. So you're going to just have to listen to me be uncomfortable (laughs) for a while. How's that? (laughs) You know, there are worse things than listening to me be uncomfortable. You know, I mean if I drink quickly, I'll be a lot more interesting in a bit, you know. So there's that, too. But I'm I'm pretty sure things things will work out like they're supposed to. I'm gonna at least hope that they are. But it's 2020, you know, and nothing really has gone like we thought it would go this entire year. I mean, what a what a, what a strange and awful year. Uh, you know, for me, I don't want to get all maudlin and, you know, too depressed or anything. But I'm thinking back over 2020 and, you know, in a typical year, the last four or five years, I've probably flown out to events in the pagan world, you know, month from February through September, sometimes even in November and things, and this year, I drove to PantheaCon, the final ever PantheaCon in San Jose, California, and then I flew to Convocation in Detroit, and then two and a half weeks later, everything was locked down, you know, and we were done, and, you know, I'm thinking about how lucky we probably were that those festivals, each of which had about a 1,000-plus people at them, didn't turn into super spreader events. I mean, that was just sort of there waiting to happen, and it didn't. And that's a relief for everybody involved. But, I mean, I, in retrospect now, we know that the COVID-19 virus was in Santa Clara County, which is where, Convo, which is where PantheaCon is, and the same county that I live in. And it's just a miracle or an act of magic or something that we managed as a community to get through that. And I'm sure that there were probably people who caught it there and just didn't know that they ended up with that disease because it really wasn't quite on our radars like it was, you know, just a couple of weeks later. But, uh, you know, just... And that February, I mean, that February feels like 18 years ago, right? I mean, that's another thing about this whole COVID experience. That's another thing about twenty is just how long all of these days have felt. And it's a bit like Groundhog Day for a lot of us. You know, and I know some people have traveled. I know some people have done things. I talked to people who have visited family and things, and generally the people who have done that have gotten COVID tests, isolated, went to see family who also got COVID tests, and then came back and and resumed not seeing people like they're generally supposed to. So I'm not going to judge people for that, and I I get it, but I live 2,000 miles from my family. And my wife worked in the medical field, so we weren't going to go anywhere or really do anything, you know, that would put that in jeopardy. And legally, she wasn't even allowed to leave the area of California where we live. Though, in retrospect, maybe they should have let her go to some places that have dealt with this better than we have. You know, we're a large population center, density is high. Most people are wearing masks and social distancing and all of those things, but at the same time, there are lots of people who aren't doing those things, even if it's only 20% of the population, and that's enough spread the disease. And I know that I have friends who have gotten the disease near where I live, you know, because they let their guard down in a moment when they shouldn't have. And they paid the price for that. I mean, a lot of them are alive and doing well. And we haven't had anything like somebody that we know dying that we're super close to. But I also know people in our community who have passed from COVID, one across the bay in the Oakland-Berkeley area. And he was in his 30s, I think. So, I mean, it does hit people. And sometimes those people are a lot younger than you think they're going to be. And wow, you know, it, just 2020, right? <laughs> it's just it's just a shit show. And as a community, I think that we have managed to get through it in a good way. Nobody really rocked the boat and decided, hey, we're going to have our giant festival with thousands people. I feel like we have a community of people who are pretty responsible and did the responsible thing and did in a responsible manner. So we did not, you know, have giant super spreader events in the name of paganism, which is really good, which is really nice. There have been giant super spreader events in the name of others spiritual communities, Christianity. And I know that a former sitcom star in L.A. was leading Christmas carols in a mall parking lot full of people who were in close proximity to each other with no masks on. And really, singing is one of the worst things that you can do because it's going to spread droplets. You know, not giving a shit about anything or anyone And with a God so weak that that God can be honored quietly, respectfully, in the privacy of someone's own home. That I don't know at all. Has my practice suffered because I have not been able to meet with my coven? Absolutely. It has suffered because I have not been able to meet with my coven. But at the same time, Dionysus, doesn't need me to meet with my coven to honor him and do things with him as my gods are not weak gods. I have to assume that any sort of god who demands people go into churches and sing songs and not wear masks and sit next to each other and spread a disease is not a particularly strong God, and I don't want, and this is not all Christians, I always hate having to say not all of anything, but I have friends who are Christian men who have done things responsibly, services over Zoom, services in the church parking lot and not inside a chapel, which is going to spread lots and lots of COVID. So people have done things. And responsible manner in that particular religious grouping, but then there are often a lot of people who haven't. It baffles me that being a good neighbor, wearing a mask, standing six feet apart from people, has become some sort of political thing. It's not a political thing. Like wearing, a shirt is not really a political issue. Wearing shoes. When you go into a grocery store, it's not a political issue, right? I mean, it's just what we do. It's strange to me that a mask, not much bigger than a pair of thong underwear, has become a political issue. It shouldn't be a political issue. I have to wear my shoes when I go into Target. I don't think it's that much different than having to wear a mask when I go into Target. It's just not not an issue. And yet, for some people, it is. I think that there have been good things, though, that have come out of COVID for our community. And I wish that we would not have had to learn them in this fashion. But they are still good and positive things. So I want to talk a little bit about those. And one of the good things about this experience has been the rise of the online festival. I'll admit, I'm not someone who is in love with online festivals. It is to give a lecture, and I've done, I think, six or seven online festivals. It is weird to give a talk and not hear people respond to the talk. You know, one of the things when people first invited me to do podcasts, and when I first Started doing podcasting like what six or seven years ago. The thing that was the oddest to me was that I could not hear anybody's reaction to anything because I'm used to talking in a room with people who laugh at your jokes, ask questions, get up and walk out when they don't like what you have to say. I mean, I'm used to responses and one of the things about doing something online is there aren't really a whole lot of responses. I mean, you can see people's faces sometimes depending on what the setup is like, uh, but generally you can't hear them, but they've all been muted if you're the person giving the workshop or whatever. So during those things has been quite strange and different. However, one of the things I like about them though is, They have made festivals more egalitarian and more accessible to more people. Now you don't have to travel to Nashville, Tennessee to go to Pagan Unity Festival. You can see the speakers there. From at home, you don't have to camp. You don't have to drive. The price of these things has also come down to a degree, depending on what festival that you've gone to, and also depending on how presenters are compensated. But, you know, now, if you live in California, you can be a part of a festival in Tennessee. And that's a big difference. That's a big thing. That's a new thing. And we have never really had that before. And, I mean, I'm sure there's always been online classes. But to have an online festival with live music, with live presenters, with sometimes Zoom spots that everybody can go to and hang out, that's a new thing. And I think that's a good development. I think that's a great development for our community. I'm really, really excited about it going forward. And some of these festivals didn't change their pricing structure at all and sent money to the people who were doing the presenting, which Is kind of a first. So Hexfest in New Orleans. Oh, I know. Lots of people hate Christian and Brian, who are the people who put the festival on. But I'll also tell you that, unlike a lot of festivals that I go to, when I do that festival, I get flown in, and I stay in a hotel room. So it doesn't cost me hundreds of dollars to go to to work for the weekend. And you would be surprised how many festivals people who write books for companies like Llewellyn or whatever fly out to events and have to pay for it all out of pocket. And no one's forcing them to do that. No one's certainly forcing me to do that. So I don't want to sound like I'm complaining too much, but thing about that is, and this year, they didn't change the pricing of the festival and that 900, that they were spending or so on every presenter went to the presenters. And important about this, though, is we often bemoan the lack of diversity at our festivals. And it's a real issue that we have a lack of diversity in the pagan community to a large degree, and we have an even bigger lack of variety and a lack of representation at a lot of festivals Because the people who can afford to go to festivals are often white dudes. So if you are paying people to present at a festival, you are offering up more opportunities for people to present at festivals. Because it's not just, oh, it costs money to go across the country. Oh, it costs money to stay at a hotel. Even when those things are being paid for, by the festival, you know, oftentimes you're still paying for food, you're still paying for drinks, you're still paying for other things, but you're also losing opportunity for anything by being away from home, and that's something that a lot of people don't think about. Not everyone can afford to fly across the country for four or five days because they can't afford to lose four or five days of work because they can't afford to pay for a babysitter for four or five days they can fly across the country to do work. And there is something about having festivals as cheaply as possible, so as many people as possible to them. And I don't think that structure needs to necessarily be totally abandoned or anything. However, at the same time, if you want a diverse group of people who can present at a festival, the financial opportunities have to be higher. So people can afford to go and do that thing. And one of the things about HexFest this year was, you know, people got money and people were still willing to pay $300 for a weekend. to you know, sit at home and listen to those people because all the presenters was really strong. And then also in retrospect, The financial opportunity for the presenters was really strong. I've never made (laughs) money like that ever in my history as a pagan presenter. That's for sure. You know, uh, usually if you sell books, maybe it's a couple hundred dollars. Convocation, which is one of the festivals I was able to go to this year, they give me a free hotel room every year. And I'm grateful for it. You know, I'm not usually the guest of honor, so I'm not paying my airfare, but they are giving me a free room. And this year, and probably last year, I was lucky enough to sell enough books that, that paid for my airline ticket and probably paid for a great deal of the food that I was eating. Did it pay for all the booze I was drinking? No, it did not, because most people can't afford that, to show his name, which is whiskey and wit. However, you know, it did pay for a lot of the And then a festival I talked about earlier, like Pagan Unity Festival. I was one of their guests in 2019, and they flew me out there. And obviously I had a place to stay, and they fed me the whole time, and people were generous with their whiskey and whatever else. And I had a great time. And I'm glad that I got to experience that. I'm glad that I'm in a position to be able to do that. but. You know, unless you're, you know, making cash money for a lot of people, that just can't afford to lose three or four days of work. So it's something to think about. But I liked the online festivals. I liked how accessible they were to anybody, anywhere. You know, if, to go camping, you have to be in relatively good, church, especially if it's a rustic campground. You know, if you're in a or if you have mobility issues. And I have a lot of sympathy for that because I've had a bad knee for a long time and have been on crutches many times in my life and spent many years not being able to run and other things. So I understand those issues to some degree. You know, and if you're at a camping event, sometimes you can't do that because you can't go because of physical issues. So having festivals here, like in our living room, which we can watch online is a really great development. I'm like really harping on this because I think it's pretty good. I think it's really great. Um, And I think that's probably the wave of the future. I don't think that we are going to lose outdoor festivals and in-person things, but I think this gives us another like being able to do things another way. And one of the other great things about it is usually if you go to a festival, And there are a lot of really great speakers and presenters and bands and whatever else. You can't see all of them. There's no way to see all of them unless you have a time turner. And the one that Ari and I bought when we were at, you know, King's Cross doesn't work. It's just a replica of one that does. So you probably don't have one either. And if you don't have one, you you can only see one thing at a time on these online versions of festivals. They exist forever. And you can watch everything if you want. You can watch everything over the course of a month instead of trying to cram everything into two or three days, five days, or whatever it is. So I I think that was a great development. I wish that we wouldn't have had to use COVID-19 to figure that out. You know, the Aquarian Tabernacle Church ATC up in Washington had two of those events this year online that I, you know, was happy to do and be a part of, and those were ones I didn't get paid for, but also a lot of to exist, so I was happy. I'm happy for them to exist, so I am happy to do things for them, and, you know, that's good, so, you know, these festivals also allow groups to continue to exist and do good work, and be a resource for their communities and the people around them. Those are important things. So yeah, it's a shame that it took that. But to me, that was probably, that was one of the biggest takeaways of the pagan community this year was that change. And also too, side by side with that, is the change in people doing rituals online. So John Beckett, who's been a guest on this show and somebody I just, you know, think is great, uh, he also writes at Patheos at Under the Ancient Oaks and wrote the book The Path of Paganism. And John has been doing online rituals on YouTube since the pandemic started, and that's been a really great way for people to connect. It's been a way for people who normally do ritual with John to connect with John and to be involved in that. But it's also allowed John to connect to other people around the world who may have always wanted to do ritual with John or see how John did ritual and now have gotten a chance to do it. And that's, that's a new thing again, right, to be able to do that. And COVID has kind of pushed that in front of us in a way I'm not sure a lot of us were thinking about it before. And, yes, people have done online rituals before, duh. People have been doing online rituals since the days of internet relay chat, where you couldn't see anyone's face or hear anyone's voice, and all you could do was read some text. People were doing rituals then. That's great. Uh, but this kind of takes it up to a whole nother level. I know with our coven, you know, we tried and played around with online rituals. Not huge fan, I'll admit it. And I led one for Ostara shortly after all this started. And I I think it takes a different skill set to write online ritual. And I'm not sure that's really in my wheelhouse, though I've given it a try. But with my coven, we've done some. And, you know, it's been a great source of connection when we have not otherwise been able to connect. So I've liked that. One of the great things that we've done in our coven, and I think Michael and I obviously got our Wires crossed. So, you know, you're just going to listen to me blather for 45 minutes tonight. And that's okay, probably. Because if you don't like listening to me blather, you have probably already turned this off or you've gone, wow, Jason is really good at just talking without any notes and just going for it. And you're still listening. And that's great. Uh, But one of the things that we did as a coven is we have a room that we do ritual in. And there's a lot of energy in that room because we've been doing ritual in it for eight years and that room means a lot to everybody that is in our coven that we do ritual with some of their things are in there and certainly a lot of their energies in there and living in california without large backyards without a lot of space we have done ritual in there pretty much all the time even at midsummer even at llamas when other people are outside we're there in our ritual space indoors. Uh, so this year, we set up a camera while we were doing ritual live, and we lit up the room. And Ari and I didn't go into the room and do ritual. That just didn't felt, feel fair. However, we had the room set up like it would be for ritual, and that was powerful. And everybody could then look at that room while we were doing the ritual and kind of feel connected to that space instead of seeing 10 or 12 different rooms, you know, where everybody's sitting behind their laptop or whatever else is going on. So that was really great. And I'm the one who had to set up the room and I lit the candles and like we normally would for ritual. And I said some things because when you light candles, sometimes you say some things. And I remember being overcome in that moment and just breaking down and crying, you know, <laughs> my friend, you know you like looking through my cell phone, which is what we used to show the room in the zoom chat that we were all in, and that was powerful, that was powerful, and uh you know um, that little bit of connection, which is not how we would normally connect, but that little bit of connection really meant a lot to us and was a big deal to us in that moment, so yeah. I'm um, excited about perhaps doing Beltane with my coven again in person in the flesh and that'll be fun and that'll be great. However, you know, until that happens, you will take what we can get. And I think that's how kind of how we act as a community. And I know some people have had ritual with others. And I'll admit that our coven even had a ritual with others in the backyard, screw of privacy, right in the backyard with masks with six feet of social distance it's not quite the same thing by any means it's not quite the same thing but it is something and sometimes something is better than nothing i hope that we don't have to do that too often Uh, hopefully in the future we will manage things better when it comes to infectious disease in the united states I don't think it could have been managed much worse. That's just my opinion. The other big thing this year, and this is probably what we would have spent a lot of time talking with Michael about anyways, but one of the other big things this year was really the amount of political engagement amongst pagans and witches, you know, out there. Different than past years. This was not the year to go door-to-door, though some people in some communities still went door-to-door to to try to get out the vote and things. But for many of us, that wasn't really an option. It wasn't on the table. But one of the things that – and it had been growing before COVID. But one of the things that I really liked was how many people were working magic to change or influence the outcome of the 2020 election. I am on – the liberal progressive side, no question about it. You know, my magic was about getting rid of Donald Trump and getting him out of office. And it was a component of that sowing ritual that we all did masked in the backyard six feet apart from each other. But you also saw it in other ways, too. You saw it in blog posts. You know, I run Patheos Pagan. That's not a Shocker to most people. I'm the channel manager there, and we had a lot of posts that were about getting rid of Trump, about doing magic to get rid of to get rid of Trump. How Trump does not reflect our values as pagans and witches. And not everybody feels that way. I'm surprised sometimes at the amount of pro-Trump voters within the pagan and witch community. But in a country that is split, it's not 50-50. The progressive side, the liberal Democrat coalition, and not all those people are necessarily, you know, progressives or extremely liberal, but the Democratic coalition is larger than the one who votes for Republicans. There's a reason only one Republican has won the popular vote since 1992. Even though we've had the three, four year terms of Republicans in the White House. Two of those individuals lost the popular vote. Uh, Hillary Clinton won the popular vote by 2 or 3% in 2016. It was just strange how things ended up. And, you know, but, uh, you know, I think that political magic works because everything was kind of really against us, and yet we did win. We have a guess right now to believe.
0: <laughs> hey, it's Pam. Hi. I, I saw, well, I saw that uh, your your subject, and, and I actually just got off of, I've been amiss in not doing a lot of programming, well, any, because of the elections, and I've been working on the Georgia election, uh, calling people and curing ballots, and working that a lot right now and representing pagans so you know it's it's a a lot of fun anyone who wants to join me you can hit me up (laughs) on facebook and i can give you information on how to get hooked into one of the canvases um well not just the canvas but the cure calls there's there's so much going on right now um, and so much work to do. And like what you were saying, it does boggle my mind how, how, how few, basically the, the, how many pagans are are Trump supporters? I mean, you know, by all means, this is a free country and follow whomever you want to, but I just don't understand why, why anyone would follow him because he's got our, our not our interest. Unless you, you're you Jeff Bezos. No, wait, he hates him. Uh, unless you're somebody else who has lots and lots of money and will kiss his ass. Uh, I don't understand why you'd want to be a Trump supporter. Um, but, you, you know, all things. This, go ahead.
1: Well, I'm running the Facebook page of Patios Pagan. 800 mm-hmm. comments when a political post goes up. You know, there's a part of me, I don't understand it, but I, at least every once in a while, know where some of the people are coming from. And I really think that sometimes liberals do not talk well to other people. No. Right? I mean, they, no, they talk right. in, a, in an alienating sort of way. They talk in a kind mm. of condescending way. And these are people mm. who feel like they've been taken for granted by both political parties most of their lives, and they felt like Trump was talking to them Now, I do not believe that and Trump did anything good for them, and voting for mm-hmm. him a second time really surprised me, but at the same time, I understood why they did it at least the first time, or where their thoughts were when they did so. You know I mean, I right. got in trouble online for suggesting that not everyone who voted for Trump, 76 million people, are racists. You know, I mean, maybe there are. Maybe 76 million people in the United States are out and out racists. Uh, But I I don't usually see that. And I know I've been to festivals where I've been around people who voted for Trump. Some of them have told me that. You know, they're like, Jason, I just want you to know that I'm not a racist (laughs) and I'm not transphobic, however... You know, I am a policeman, you know, or, you know, I was in the military, and, you know, I just feel like Trump better represents my values, and I don't want right. you to hate me when you find this out, you know, and it makes it makes you wonder, you're like, you know, how do you react to that? What do you do? You know, you've Why? already met somebody, and, you like them and then you find out this big, terrible secret about them.
0: And that's the 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 problem is, honestly, if you want to take a step back when it comes to to dealing with people politically, is we get into these arguments and discussions, and where people get their their dander up is when we're talking about ideological things, and those are flashpoints. Those are those are are bright and shiny objects. You know, uh, I don't know how many people can't believe that I would vote Democrat because. Uh, Democrats want to kill babies. Like, um, no, no, not, it's it's pro-choice and murdering babies are not the same thing. But in their minds, that's like them fighting words, you're baby killers. And it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And we don't know how to have these conversations, like you said, with people saying, why would you think that? Why would? Why would you even go there? Um, you know, it, it kind of fits the pagan thing, too. It's like they think we kill babies as well, some of them. Um, but when they're, when they, when you have people, people should look into um the the things that are important to them and vote accordingly. But unfortunately it's, it's not that way anymore. It's a, it's a tribal thing and it's a, my people against your people thing. And they're not looking at what the people who they're voting for are doing. And it, it goes back to that ideological thing because, because the Republicans are really good at stirring people up with these boogeymen, you know, Oh, to oh, absolutely! Let the caravans of migrant, disease-ridden terrorists are coming, and they're going to date your cat, you know. <laughs> and it, it, it boggles my mind how
1: people you know, for that me that. Hmm? You know, I grew up in the American South for to a large degree, so I went to high school. Well, I went to high school. Early. And I went to junior high, mostly in rural Virginia, right next to the border of West Virginia, Tennessee, and North Carolina, Mm. you know, which is a very rural sort of area. And I see people I know from high school, from those parts of the country, who I think are generally good. I mean, they're they're teachers, they're nurses, you know, they're not, you know, running a Nazi paraphernalia shop or something. And they're posting things like you know democrats are trying to overthrow the government and establish socialism everywhere you know you have been warned or be scared or isn't that crazy that they would do that and these people right. believe these things because they're being told these things you know in the media right. outlets that they that they watch that their friends are telling them they're going to church and hearing these things that church bake sales, and you kind of become a victim of Stockholm syndrome after a while. If somebody was telling me all the time these things that these folks are hearing, maybe, maybe I would start to believe it. I don't want to think, well, they should be doing their research, and they should, you know, be learning and investigating these things on their own, but, there's, but there's that doesn't, doesn't always to that. work that way.
0: There's another layer to that, though, because you're you're talking about people who didn't leave leave those areas. I'm in right. one of those. I'm in Lexington, North Carolina now, which is one of those very fundamental, uh, extremely. It's it's racist. It is a racist area. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. This mm. area is racist. Um, and it's the the party lines are usually racial lines as well. And they're very much into, I mean, I go on to some of our local our, our local Facebook groups, and they'll start, you know, preaching about, well, you're not very Christian. And I'm like, well, I'm not. But <laughs> what I do know about Christianity is what you're saying is not very Christian either. Uh, so, but but it's it's a again that tribalism and that herd mentality, and people here um, it, the demons they call them democrats. We're democrats here, yeah. and if you yeah. if you're out as a democrat, you run the risk of. Um, we had a Confederate statue in our town square, and had uh, 140 something days over from you know may through through all of summer of black lives matters folk um and and i'm not talking about george soros and it's a you know conspiracy it's like these are black people and people who are who are supporting blm that are from the area that are showing up and then on the other side of the street we had very racist people who had things that they were um, signs that they were holding up that had like bananas and nooses. Like a banana mm-hmm. was like to lure somebody into a noose, and they seemed to they seemed to we're not racist,
1: <laughs> right? It's like yeah,
0: it's but if you to to go on to the side, the Black Lives Matter side. Um, and 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 be there, put you at risk of these people following you home, finding out where you live, uh, threatening you physically. Uh, it, it's scary, and businesses, if you're in business around here, people will not go to your business, not support your business. it's it's not we have a lot of people who might be involved with the Democratic Party here. And, and again, I, I know you're not talking, you may or may not, I'm not trying to speak for you about partisan stuff, but I'm saying that, that I am I do work with the Democratic Party here in, in North Carolina and also now with Georgia. Um, but we have people who will get involved with the party but don't want people to know because it'll wreck their business because of that, that mentality around here. But then again... What's frustrating is being somebody who's liberal and progressive in, in the South, when you try to talk to and this is what you're talking about the talk down to, when you try to talk to other liberals, um or, or Democrats that are especially from the Northeast, they treat us all like we're a bunch of dumb hicks, you know, and yeah. and and there's something obviously wrong with you. And you know that from from growing up. In, the, in this area, I'm sure that there's a part of you that that's that's always home, but I'm, I know you've heard <laughs> the the cotton way. Um, we had a, a hurricane here that hit the the west the eastern part of the state, which is you know beaches and a lot of marsh, um, hit it really hard a couple of years ago, and it made a lot of toxic waste pools overflow and 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 get into the water table and i posted some stories about it and the horrible things well that serves them right for voting for trump no
1: (laughs) well there recently there were people talking about seceding from the union or Southern states had talked about it, and people were like, well, yeah, th- let's get rid of them, right? We'll kick them all out. Well, your friends live in those states, too. And there are liberals and progressives in Texas and in Florida yep. and in Alabama. Mm-hmm. And, people, you know, just goodbye. And, uh, John Beckett wrote something about it, you know, like, really? Do you really want me out of your country? <laughs> I mean, yes, I get yeah. it. You want Ted Cruz out of the country. I understand that. But yeah, there's there is kind of this, there's this really condescending way people sometimes, especially from the northeast, parts of the west coast, and so often large metropolitan cities, talk to people outside of those areas, and it alienates them. Hmm. And that's and something really we have hard to, to be better about.
0: It's, it's, and it's really hard because look at where, look at where our voters are coming from. And most of them are, you know, uh, the metropolitan area. But we're starting to get into the suburbs. But in the rural areas, um, that's why people will vote for for somebody like Trump is because they feel, you know, that's why we've got that 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 uh, image of the you know the elite, the Democrat elitist, um, and they're you know so snooty and they think they're smarter than you and what's sad about it oh god i'm going to unwrap a whole bunch of stuff this was created starting in the 80s for people in rural areas to not get uh, the education they deserve so it's easier to trick them to get them to vote. There is a quote that I heard somewhere and I'm trying to find it. And I've heard people say, yes, he said that, but Ronald Reagan, I believe was the one that said, um, why would I want to put money into education to get people who would vote against me? So there is some truth to people from rural areas not being as knowledgeable and, and it is being used by people like Ted Cruz.
1: Well, the way we the way we allocate money for schools has always been extremely yeah. inequitable. You know, it's based on yes. county and property taxes and I knew areas mm-hmm. that were white and dominantly uh areas of color in the county but starved out their own school district themselves. Right? So their money only went to their kids, to their white kids, you know. There's we have all kinds of issues, and poor schools get crapped on. Now I don't want to talk just about politics. The whole show. I am grateful for people's activism, especially when it comes to progressive politics. Um, I'm also, I'm also like really excited. I think about the way pagans are stepping into political spaces the way magical individuals are stepping into
0: spaces.
1: I mean, I thought the Bind Trump movement was a good movement. I thought it was a good thing. And there will be people who say, and there are atheist pagans in the world. I think this gets forgotten. There are pagans and witches. Well, not really witches, but there are pagans who don't believe in magic. And I know a couple. And one of them's like, Mm -hmm. well, what good does this do? You know, because I don't believe that works anyways. And my thought is, if you're doing magic to bind Trump, you are galvanized. You're involved. And you're not just involved under the night of the full moon. You're involved You're involved all the time. If magic doesn't work, and I think it works, even if it didn't work, it would still be strengthening your resolve and getting you to take action against this orange menace that you do not like.
0: Why Not would this really that's interesting the interesting. thing is why why yeah. would this is what blows my mind is why people feel like they shouldn't get involved with politics. What is this about some stain on your soul if you get involved with politics? Because it's us, the government, we the people, this is our government. This is, if you like, if you don't like the way things are run, you get involved
1: well, if with you care politics. About, if you care about the planet, mm-hmm. you know, that has become a political issue, right? I mean, do you want to lower pollution? Do you want clean water? Do you want forests to be protected? Or do you want oil fields everywhere and pipelines of oil spewing things everywhere? You know, those are political issues, if, I'm not convinced that what I do is a nature religion anymore. I mean, that was always the thing about Wicca. It's a nature religion. I think Wicca is a magical religion, and nature is mm-hmm. magical, and nature is important, and it's a part of that bigger picture. But, you know, I, a philosophy of caring about the earth and our natural environment, to me, just feels like an important part of anybody who self-identifies as a pagan. And yep to, you know, to absolve yourself of responsibility for that, uh, to me, doesn't feel like you're living what should be your values as a pagan. You know, I I don't think everybody needs to be in the reclaiming collective and going out and protesting nuclear power all the time. I mean, I, I don't think that as a whole, we have a community ready to kind of go into that sort of thing. And if you do that, I think that's great, and I love you for it. But at the same time, you would think people could do at least the bare minimum, right? (laughs) The bare minimum Mm -hmm. would be voting for people who want to preserve lakes and rivers and forests and streams and shorelines and all of those things that we, we give lip service to as being important.
0: Well, and, you know, what I do... I'm uh, very, gosh, I, I've been saying that until they come up with a 12-step program, um, I'm going to continue doing what I'm doing because uh, I went straight from North Carolina in the general election almost immediately to, to working with Georgia and the runoffs. And it's like when I start talking to people about this, they get really uncomfortable. And they're they're, it's like, I joke around about it being like a 12-step program, but it's, it's looked at like there is a sickness to doing something like that, like there's something wrong with people who would be that involved. But what this is, goes back to what I was trying to say is this is our government. And what you, were, what you were saying too, if you want changes, this is how you get involved. And the one thing that I, I try to tell people is you can bet your, your butt that the Republicans are doing this. And the Republicans don't talk down to each other for getting involved. And getting involved with politics does not make you a Republican. And we've you know, going back to what you're saying with the with the the schools, a lot of it comes from from the schools, and a lot of it comes from um, racial issues and uh, the rural issues as well. And and one of the reasons that I like to to get involved um, with what I'm doing is it's really good that that black women are were, are being seen for and 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 appreciated for the the strength that, that they've given to to the Democratic Party. And again, I know you're not saying Democrat Democrat to Democrat, but I'm, I'm that's are the what Democrats. I'm They they are the, they are the backbone. Party. Right? They are the backbone.
1: Every election.
0: Yeah. Mhm. They are the backbone. And, but see, part of why it, it's really hard to get some—it's kind of like with the making the equivalent with the with the the, the mistrust of, of uh, communities of color and and the vaccine. It's because they've been used in 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 the vaccine and medical uh, experiments and stuff. So there's a mistrust. There's also mistrust in certain parts of of. Uh, uh, communities of color with getting on to the Democrats, because when Democrats get to, you know, where they they want your vote, but then they get to a position where, okay, yeah, we'll make cuts on this. And, and they're not really looking out for uh, the better interests of the people who put them in, in power. I'm loving the fact that we're going to have the first African-American female vice president because you know stuff is going to get done. I love how much Stacey Abrams is doing. I love um, what AOC. I love the fact that women of color are getting getting a voice and, and getting a say in what's happening in the government because that is the, you know, we just said that, that's pretty much the backbone of the Democratic Party. And women outnumber men in our
1: country like like <laughs> men are a minority in the country and yet generally occupy position of power right i mean well, I'm like, we have never had like as our first female vice president like probably why the fuck did it take a so long right i mean it's it's
0: no shit creating and
1: yeah um i really uh, yeah, you know i can talk politics for I can like just <laughs> talk politics show and this has kind of turned into jason's wrap up of the year What's what favorite of the year my favorite topic of the year is
0: book um my favorite book of the year yeah. well i have I am not. I'm okay. I'm gonna be honest. <laughs> I, I and I have it in front. I'm have it in my hands, and I've started reading it, but I've been so busy with the with the uh, election stuff. But I want to dive into your book of you of Yule, you know, Llewellyn's little book of Yule, because this is one that I've really been looking forward to because I love. It's the traditions of the holiday season of the, the winter solstice season of Christmas, however you want to put it, that got me interested in paganism because of, of where the traditions came from and, and from since I was a kid. So this is one that I, 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 I'm really excited to have and, and thumb through and, and, yeah, talking about everything you Saints Days, uh, I, I, yeah. So I'm sorry. This is I'm not trying to to, to kiss you behind about this, but this is one that wow. I was really looking for. Wow. you yeah, know, almost
1: when you started, I was going to say I'm going to cut you off if you say one of my books. I mean, it just just feels but just too convenient. But it's it's but, uh, no,
0: you. no, it's, <laughs> it's 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 yours and. Uh, I'm trying to remember, I think uh, anytime a, a, a pagan book comes out that has anything to do with Yule or the winter solstice, I, I love to snag it up. You know, whether it's about, you know, the, the many uh, stories, you know, we, we had a talk about this, I, it might have been two years ago, on your page you were talking about St. Nicholas, and my mother is Turkish, so I like to say he's Turkish and somebody says, whoa, well, that wasn't Turkey back then. I'm like, I know it wasn't Turkey back then. <laughs> but, you know, I kind of like to think that Santa Claus or that St. Nick, the the real St. Nick was Turkish. And I love the lore behind St. Nick of being like, he's the patron saint of, um, of children, but he's also the patron saint of thieves kind of like
1: he was you know in the middle ages he was the patron saint of like everything though i mean he was super popular (laughs) i think one book said after mary and before jesus you know was saint nicholas because he
0: did we lose you there you go are you there
1: yeah i'm here
0: okay you were breaking up a little bit i don't know if that's on my side or your side
1: Breaking up is hard to do.
0: I know.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so I, I appreciate I I appreciate that mentioning my book. My choice. Uh, for the book is and I will be sharing more of my yearly superlatives on this blog because I do the usually annual horny awards, except in twenty eighteen I was too pissed at the pagan community to do them, but that's neither here nor there. My I think the book of the year, and probably the book of the year with the pagan world sometimes, is that it is too white and we need to read. We need to read. Well, we had one of the great opportunities of the year to do that, and it's sold extraordinarily well, and I'm super happy for Lilith because nobody deserves On her, so I, I, um, for people, anyway, as you've been listening, which is whiskey and wit, I'm Jason. I've been basically chatting with myself for an hour as this has turned into my year in review. It was, it was unexpected to be doing this show.
0: Well, I am um, glad I just decided to to pop on. I got done with the with the like I said with the phone banking, and I said I should just see what Jason's doing. And um, I don't usually I don't usually call in. I don't. It's not something I don't really do.
1: Well, I was I was so, glad that you did. Though I'm surprisingly good at just talking to myself.
0: <laughs> it gets bad, doesn't it? I used to, you know, when I used to do radio, DJ, uh, and I would, you know, uh, in in off the air, in real world, I would just start talking to myself, and people would look at me, and I'm like, I get paid to do this. <laughs> and they'd look I, at me kind of weird, and I'm like, I'm a radio disc jockey. I get paid to talk to myself. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, I, you know, I, there's always stuff to talk about, and... You know, I lecture enough that I'm not too terrible at just listening to myself speak, and I'm a pagan author, so I enjoy hearing yes. myself talk. Though usually on this show, what's great about having guests is I can just sit back and drink my whiskey, and tonight I've had like three sips <laughs> of it. So I'm surprisingly and disappointingly sober at the end of a show. That doesn't happen very often.
0: Oh, we got to do something about that. I'm sorry. I really, I really, again, I'm like, I'm feeling very self-conscious about saying your book because I know that you're not one of these. I'm not a sycophant. I'm not like, oh, I, I appreciate you. I appreciate you very much, but I'm not like, <laughs> uh, of course, David, no, everything you do is amazing, but, it, um, but everything
1: you
0: everything. it just happens to be the case. Um I
1: Not to be terrible. Uh, That's my goal in life. Don't be terrible.
0: I I gotta tell you something that happened today that was interesting because we we got people from all across the United States uh, working on all this. What what I can't talk in great detail about the different things that we're doing, but one of the main focuses is um, if people have a problem with their if they mailed in a ballot and for some reason. Uh, a problem with it has been identified we go and help them try to fix it we either call them and tell them hey look you need to fix this or we'll like knock on their door step six feet away with our masks on and say hey there's something wrong with your ballot well because i'm not in georgia a lot of us are supporting this you know, I'm on zoom all the time and I'm meeting people from around the United States. And I was talking to this lady, uh, from St. Paul, Minnesota. And I started talking about how, yeah, there's a, a lot of pagans there. And she says, have you heard of Lou Ellen? <laughs> I'm like, yeah. And then she says that her parents were friends with Carl Wesky. And I'm like, wow, that is so cool. And she says, Yeah, they weren't really pagan, but he used to throw really good parties. <laughs> and well, I started laughing. I because, people. Yeah.
1: If, where I lived, you know, <laughs> I'd have a lot of parties. And they just came to parties because the pagan because pagans were better partiers than anybody. Else. We are.
0: We are And I we was to... I was
1: cool with that, really. You know, I understood it. And uh Yeah. It doesn't surprise me that Carl knew how to throw a bash. I have been to Llewellyn. Sadly, it was after Carl passed, but you could still like kind of feel his energy floating around and some of the things mm-hmm. that he had started there. And yeah, he seemed like he was a pretty fun guy. So
0: it remember when he passed and we put together that that real quick show. Yeah. Um, Like a tribute show, and it was really cool. There's like an hour of it with uh, with Raymond Buckland, who's passed as well, and Oberon, um, and Selena Fox, just talking and about you know back then, and they talked about the parties, (laughs) Uh, and that was just a really neat thing to be part of. And I guess you know, I'm sorry.
1: No, I was just gonna say I think the parties were wilder back then. I mean, I yeah. just have a feeling was the 70s.
0: Isn't it cool when you watch, like, those those old, uh, like, hippie movies and there's, like, a party and there's, like, somebody with a python walking around? Or, <laughs> and there's something about a python at a party at, at Carl's. I don't know. I heard something no, about over on that. You, I think,
1: had a snake that he carried around. And I remember That's in Drawing Down is- the Moon, Mark Wadler talked Like, she was in the pool with a bunch of pagans, you know, at a hotel or something, and the snake just kind of swam by, (laughs) you know. It was there. (laughs) They could do that back then. Now, you couldn't do that. I mean, the rules were really different, but, yeah. And if you want to learn more about Carl, who founded – he didn't found Llewellyn, but he bought Llewellyn, which had already existed, and he turned it into the premier occult publisher in the United States. And really started publishing witchcraft books through Llewellyn. There's a really great biography of him called Carl by Melanie Marquis that came out about two years ago. And it's a really great book. And he's a really important figure. And I think he gets overlooked a lot because Llewellyn, whether you love or hate Llewellyn. And there were, you know, times that criticism of Llewellyn was pretty valid. And, you know, times I think it's overstated he was somebody who transformed our community and I don't think it would be here today without his influence and without his presence. If it did, if it would exist, it, it would be, be, I think, in a much diminished form. So that's me. Um,
0: he, the Llewellyn, in fact, I have one somewhere in my, in my books. Um, they were known the, before Carl Llewellyn or Carl Wesky took it over. They were known for their, um, basically for astrology. Right. No, that's basically all they did. Yeah, and then he took it from that and and opened it up to and not just pagans. He's got other spiritual, you know, type uh, spirituality and and uh, but yeah, I I know because I I watch the growing pains of Llewellyn, uh, and I like what it has become. Um, but I I know that there were some times that it it's like really, <laughs> um, but yeah, people should people. This goes back to um, we're talking about. I want to go back to talk about Yule because I love Yule, I really do love Yule. Uh, but when around this time, everyone likes to talk about ghosts being part of. Of uh, Halloween, Samhain of that time, but the ghosts right now, I feel, you know, talking about about Carl, um, some stuff about my dad came up. My dad passed away about two years ago, um, and I think that that's, you know, with 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 the pandemic, I think death is such is on everybody's mind right now, and I know. I don't think that there's a single one of us that hasn't been touched with somebody passing from this. So I don't know where I'm going with this. <laughs> it's part of life.
1: It's death. It's uh, it's a part of our experience in 2020, which has just mm-hmm. been sort of a different year than most of us have ever had, right? And you know, yeah. there's more upheaval, there's more death and we're closer to it and yeah this this has not been it's been a hard year for a lot of people It's, it's you know doesn't it feel
0: like you're like we're in a dystopian movie or something you know it
1: it does it you know it feels like 10 years have passed since March it also feels like two weeks have passed since March um, you know, the days just sort of bleed into each other. I don't mean to be so dour on the last show of the year, but it's true. You know, it's been, <laughs> it's been rough. It's been, it's been difficult. And, you know, if you're out there listening, take care of yourself, do what you need to do to get by and, you know, be strong. And there's a light at the end of the tunnel. It's still really damn a long way away, but it feels like by maybe May or June, July or August, Things will be more like they were before. So I'm Jason. This has been witches, whiskey, and wit. I am going to turn the show off because I'm tired of listening to my own voice at this point. And you know, this has been uh, a, kind of,
0: don't do it now. We got to have an up moment. It, <laughs> Things will be better. Yes. Of
1: course, they're going to be better. You know, and the up moment is is that we'll be back in 2020 with more shows for the dozens of people who listen to me to enjoy. The dozens. <laughs> I appreciate all 24 of you. It's a little more than that. <laughs> um, not, not quite back at the pre-peak Raise the Horns radio time. But well, we're, we'll
0: we're, get it fully. We're, but we're getting there.
1: We're getting there. We're getting um, there. Yeah. Uh, so take care of yourselves. Take some time out for yourself. Do what you have to do. If you have to drink a bottle of wine, drink a bottle of wine. Um, you know, if, if you have to eat a bunch of edibles, eat a bunch of edibles. It's all good and we understand. Take care of yourself and be happy. Try to find a ray of light and I you know, I'm sure you didn't have a good twenty twenty, but here's to a better twenty twenty one. Ah. And there we'll you be up. back next year. Yeah. My this has been Pamet who's been my sort of guest tonight and I <laughs> so this has been Witches, Whiskey, and Wit, and we will talk to you next time.